Hey, Marie, how's it going? It's going good. How are you? I'm a little bit uh, feeling a little bit frantic because I have a big deadline coming up with the book that I'm working on. I have, I, I think I talked about this before, but I hired an editor to do like a manuscript review, which is good because I have a looming deadline, but it's bad because I'm busy on like a trip right leading up to that deadline and a, a trip where I'm not going to have any time to work on the book. So I'm kind of in this weird dilemma right now where I need to start working on the book, but my brain hasn't quite clicked into urgency mode yet. And I won't have the night before to work on it. So uh, hopefully, as soon as we finish recording this, I get back to writing the book. And I'm able to kind of like frantically finish that stuff uh, to get it ready. So I'm in sort of a weird state with a lot of that uh, going on right now. How about you? What's going on? What's new with Llama Life? I've had a pretty busy two weeks. Uh, I was just going to say when you were when you were mentioning that urgency thing, I totally get that same that same feeling where, you know, I kind of need that urgency or pressure to get things done, but it kind of works against me as well because then I take on way too much stuff <laughs> and then it just ticks over into being slightly overwhelming. Mm-hmm. I can totally feel where you're coming from on that. It's not necessarily a very healthy thing. Mm. Just from experience, I know when that urgency does kind of kick in, like it's a little bit like that last minute panic mode. But I really perform with that. Like a lot of my mm-hmm. best work kind of Same. comes through that. And then I end up paying for it later. Like afterwards, I'm like, oh, my body just like I fall apart. Sometimes I often will get sick after that because it's just yeah. like it's so stressful for this targeted moment of time. But I also know that it really does kind of create my best work. So it's kind of a weird uh, dilemma that way. I'm trying to work on this myself because I have the same thing where I have these spikes of urgency dilemmas a bit of stress and then I do great work and then it kind of dies down again uh, and then it spikes again but I'm actually trying to work really hard on how can I still achieve that but in a more even sustainable way because it's currently a little bit chaotic for me as well I kind of go up and down up and down based on deadlines like based on what is due at any given time and some of these deadlines are self-imposed as well (laughs) I don't know why I do this to myself Actually, maybe I do know. Maybe it's because I know I need the deadline to actually get the work done. Now that I'm working with someone else, so I have one person on the Llama Life team with me, so we're a team of two right now, mm-hmm. I actually mention the deadline to her and then it becomes real. Whereas sometimes if I'm working by myself, like before when I was a like a solo indie hacker, the deadlines were all self-imposed and sometimes they didn't mean anything because they were self-imposed and I was like, oh, I'll just do it tomorrow. But now I have someone else working with me the deadlines are actually a real thing because I have to say to her, oh, I didn't do it. Right. And I don't want to say that. I guess that's helped me a bit because now there's more accountability. But at the same time, I'm still trying to even it out because I don't want to work in, in this way where I'm stressed doing urgent work, but it's good work and then it's calm, then it's urgent, then it's calm. I'm trying to, how do I make that more even? <laughs> I don't know what the solution is, but that's kind of my goal is like, I, I know that's a thing with me and it sounds sort of similar to what you're saying, mm-hmm. but I just want to be able to create more evenness in, in that because it can't be healthy <laughs> having that spike of, of adrenaline all the time because adrenaline itself is good. It's a natural response to something. Mm-hmm. If you're being chased by a lion in the woods, you want the adrenaline <laughs> and right. it helps you get through that situation. Like that's your natural body response. But we don't want it in everyday life all the time mm-hmm. because your body can't sustain that state. It's not healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what you just said resonates a lot with me. I'm like, oh, I have the same thing. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, one thing I have found, I don't do this nearly enough, and I really should, is the idea of body doubling. And for people that aren't familiar, body doubling, basically, well, now there's like virtual body doubling, but the idea is basically having somebody in the room with you or on like a video call with you and you're not really interacting with them at all like maybe at the beginning of the call you'll just sort of say like hey this is what i'm going to do for the next hour or the next half hour and then they would say what they're going to work on and then you just sort of sit on the video call and then work on the thing you're, you you mm-hmm. told them they were going to work on and it's sort of like what you said with like having your employee that you're talking with or coworker and giving them a deadline. You're sort of doing that same thing with this of like telling, even if it's a stranger, you know, there's services like Focusmate where it'll just like connect you with a random person online. And so it's like, I'm never going to see this person again. My accountability to them shouldn't really matter that much, but it does. Like something about the fact mm-hmm. that I told this person I'm going to work on, like, for example, that I'm going to work on this chapter in my book then it really helps me to focus for that hour or that amount of time on that thing that I told them rather than like, oh, maybe I'll go check out Twitter instead or something like that. Mm-hmm. Every time I do it, it works. Um, but somehow, for some reason, I always kind of forget or I'm reluctant to do it, even though I know it's effective. And I probably should. I mean, honestly, as I'm saying it out loud now, right now, because I need to work on the book, as soon as we uh, finish recording that, I should get on Focusmate and try that out uh, to see if that helps me get, get some more work done. Because it's, I don't even know necessarily what it is that makes it work, but it has definitely been effective when I've tried it before. I know of Focusmate. I haven't tried it myself. I think it depends on the person because I definitely feel like I need that accountability and the body doubling and someone kind of watching what I'm doing. But at the same time, I don't want someone watching what I'm doing. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I guess I should just try it and see. I think they do a couple of free sessions, right? But then after that, it's a paid service. I believe you have a free account, which lets you do it. I don't don't know the number, but like once a week for free or something like that. And so you, or it might even be a couple. You might even get like a few like two or three free sessions a week. And then the people that love it, like they end up, I know people that they're like, yeah, I'm I'm on Focusmate like four hours a day and I wouldn't be able to get stuff done wow. otherwise. And so it just sort of becomes a routine for them where they feel, you know, for a lot of people that are working at home, like they feel a little bit more like they're in an office, like, oh, there's other people that I can see they're working on something important. And so that kind of helps motivate me to work on the thing that I want, you know, need to get done right now. So it's a really interesting phenomenon. That's how I feel about co-working spaces sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a mixed bag with a co-working space. Sometimes I get the feeling, you know, if I'm in, a, in the open plan sort of section that you feed off the energy, like everyone's working on their own thing and everyone's really motivated and there's a nice level of background noise and that can be great. It just it's it's a bit potluck because sometimes you go and there might be one person that's super noisy and they're on a phone call yeah, and they, yeah. their voice stands out above the rest and then that becomes super distracting for me. Just that if I suddenly hear one person, my brain will just lock onto that and I'm like, oh my gosh, now <laughs> I can't handle it. Sometimes it's good. You get the energy off other people, but it really depends who is there on that particular day and you can't control that. Right, Yeah. <laughs> So speaking of like uh, deadlines and stuff, like what's been going on mm-hmm. with Llama Life? I know you've had like a few recent kind of promotions and stuff. Like how, how has that been going? So there were a couple of things that happened. We did the price change, which was a price decrease. I think last week on the pod or maybe the week before, I said it was going really well. Uh, that sort of changed. <laughs> it's, it's not going as well anymore. I, it might have just been the excitement and 
awareness and sort of marketing around the fact that we did this price change. So I think it's kind of calmed down mm. again. We're still ahead of where we were before, but it hasn't created the step change that I thought it was going to create. The bet that I was making was that if we reduced the price, it would become more affordable and accessible to more people. Having more people buy at that price would make up for the difference in it being a lower price. Mm -hmm. That is still the case, but just not to the extent that I thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. I would say that experiment, I guess it's still kind of a win because we're still ahead, but it wasn't like mind-blowing, life-changing kind of thing. Right. I am happy that it is reaching more people because I, I always have this thing where we have a free plan and we have a paid plan. And I'm always thinking the paid plan gives you access to everything, which means you get the full experience of Llama Life. You get to have all the features that we've created. We think this is the best experience that can help you increase your focus throughout the day. But we only have a small portion of our user base on the paid plan, mm -hmm. which means only a small portion are really seeing like what I think Llama Life is about, all the bells and whistles, all the tools that you need to help you focus, but only a small portion have that experience. And I'm always thinking, I wish everyone could have that. And maybe if you're on the free plan, because you aren't getting that experience, like maybe you're never going to upgrade because you don't see the value in it. Mm. There's this mm -hmm. constant like, okay, well, we've been told the free plan's pretty good. So maybe it is also too good, but at the same time, it could be even better if you had all these other things, but maybe you'll never experience those things because you'll never upgrade. So I'm kind of thinking, is this the right pricing model? There's another model I'm thinking of. I don't want to change it again, though. That's the thing. You can't change it all the time. Yeah. But there's another model where you have a free plan and a paid plan. It's oh, feature, yeah. feature gated. So basically some features aren't available in the free plan. But there's another model where, you, it, where it's usage gated. So it means that you get access to everything, but it's based on your usage. So in Llama Life's case, usage might be the number of tasks you complete. So maybe it's something like you get access to everything, but you can only complete 10 tasks. After that, you need to pay. That's a usage-based model, not a feature-based model. But I'm not sure. I'm just, I'm just kind of thinking about it. Right. I'm not going to change anything just yet. I don't think we've got pricing right. Pricing is the hardest thing ever, I think. I, I really feel like pricing's <laughs> one of the hardest things we've had to do, for sure. Yeah, I mean, so often it's just sort of like stabbing in the dark. You're just sort of mm. picking a number out of the air and like seeing like, hey, how does this work? And then you see what people do with that. And you're like, okay, well, now we should adjust it one way. And then yep. you have, you know, kind of like you said, you're like, okay, well, hopefully what we think will happen is this. And then what actually happens is, never what you hope or think will happen. It's always something different, either positive or negative. And then you're like, okay, well now we have more data about what our users think about the price. And so now yeah. how, with those two kind of data points, where can we go from there? But like you said, you can't just like change the price every two weeks, like that would be a disaster. Yeah, the data thing's interesting too, because pricing is one of those things where you, you really have to use data that is behavioral. It's very hard to ask someone like, what price would you pay for this? Yeah. Because everybody, just human nature, they're gonna say a lower price. So you can't really ask them like, hey, is this expensive? Like, would you pay for it? You have to really look at the behavioral data, which is, did they pay for it? Like they can say whatever they want, but did right. they actually pay for it? That's the data you have to look at. But because that's the data you have to look at, there's also less of it, right? So it depends on the size of your business, but 
we're not big by any means. We're still super early. So when we just look at the paid data, the people who are paid, there's not that many, right? It's, it's The base size is still very small. You could say it's a percentage of the overall customer base. That's That's fine. But it's still a small base size to look at. So you're kind of working off a data set and trying to make decisions off a data set that might not be that robust. And I see a lot of people doing this actually mm. on Twitter. It's so, it is something to, to um, be careful of. So I used to work in branding and advertising, but within that I was working in the research and analytics team. So we used to, we used to look at a lot of data as it relates to the performance of advertising. If you have an advertising campaign out there, how does that impact your brand? So there's a lot of statistics and a lot of numbers and spreadsheets and stuff. And then we would analyze that. Then we'd put together like a PowerPoint report or something and tell the client like this is how it's done. We used to have to be really careful with the the base size. So it's kind of been drilled into me that, mm. you know, make sure that the assumptions or the, the recommendations you're making off the data, make sure it's actually off a, a data set that is, is big enough because otherwise it means nothing. And you could... It's actually quite dangerous, in right, fact, yeah. if you if you make a decision of something where you've only got a small handful of people. I would say right now, given our size, it's a mixture of art and science. Like you have to look at some data, but you have to also go with your, your gut as well, like what is happening and also sprinkle in a few sort of customer feedback sort of comments. It's not one source of data. It's like you have to look at the whole thing and go, okay, I'm going to just make a really educated guess on this, but definitely don't rely on just one one data source and off a small base size. <laughs> so speaking of like pricing and stuff, do you have any plans for Christmas coming up and like Black Friday sales and things like that? Do you have a uh, plan on embracing something like that? I can just picture an ad with a little llama wearing a Christmas, or, you know, a Santa <laughs> hat or something. Like what do, you, what do you have planned coming around the corner for that? It's funny you bring that up. I, I was literally just looking at my calendar yesterday going, hmm, there's a few key dates coming up, Black Friday being one of them. Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year, like there's a lot of significant dates coming up. Mm -hmm. I think it makes sense for Llama Life to do something, especially around Christmas, New Year time, because people are making New Year's resolutions and maybe one of your resolutions is to become mm -hmm. more productive or e even the resolution I have every year, which is to be more calm and sustainable with my productivity. Maybe that's something people are thinking about. So I think it does make sense to try and do some promotion. I just don't know what. Last year... <laughs> You just made me think of this. Last year, I did do like this indie, it was called the Big Indie Maker Sale, I think. I think that's what it was called. Basically, I put together this spreadsheet last year. Um, it was just a free thing that I did. I was just trying to, I just wanted to build something really quickly and have a bit of fun. So I ended up putting together this spreadsheet and it was a spreadsheet anybody could access. It was like a Google Google sheet that was open to everyone. You could just it was self-service. You could just go in and like put your startup in. And if you had a promotion, you could put the promotion in there. So it was really around Black Friday and it did really well. Like I think I got a lot of messages from people saying, thanks for putting it together. You just made me think of it again. It's still there. I think I can, <laughs> like I took the domain down, but everything's still there. I could just put it back up. I'll have a think. Maybe I'll do it again this year. Uh, it, it, <laughs> it, it helped a lot of people last year. I, I, I had fun doing it as well. Yeah, yeah. What else have I been doing this week? I, I've been spending a lot of time on the team and recruiting. Recruiting is super hard because I think it's not something you do all the time. It's not like I'm an expert in the HR space, but I'm learning mm. as I go. And we're actually trying to recruit for a few different roles, but all project-based. 
Mm. Basically, we've looked at the business and we've identified some gaps. And based on those gaps, we're trying to hire people who are who have specific expertise on that gap, on that area, and then get those get those folks in to do sort of project work. I like that approach because it's kind of a bit of a test and learn approach. I mean, it's going to require a certain sort of person that wants to do that as well to actually come into a team, do that work. And there's no guarantee there might be anything else, but just come in and see if you can do right. that one thing really well. There might be an opportunity to keep going and become a permanent member, but I think it takes a certain sort of person to take that risk. That has been challenging because we went really far with one dev. So within one week, so we try to move really quickly. Within one week, we interviewed somebody for a dev role. We had three Zoom chats. We had that person do a coding challenge and we went out for lunch so we could actually meet in person and just get to know them. So we made an offer and it didn't work out. Mm. That was hard because there's a lot of time and effort involved in that. Yeah. I don't fault the person. I mean, it's fine. Like they made a decision. It wasn't quite for them, but it just, it's really hard when you're a team of two, which we are right now to go through that. And it takes up a lot of time and energy from other things you could be doing. So it's, it's super hard. I think it's a time challenge we've got, which means we need to be smarter about how we recruit. I think we need to screen people out more quickly, ask the right questions, make sure we're all on the same page. It was a bit challenging with this person because we, we kind of got like a behavioral signal that they were on the same page because they kept accepting another Zoom call, doing a coding challenge. Mm. They completed that, accepting a lunch date. They went to that. So we kind of thought they're interested but it turned out, mm -hmm. you know, after some reflection, they weren't, they, they thought it wasn't right for them, which is completely mm -hmm. fine because we don't want someone who, where it's not the right fit. It has to be the right fit for both people. It's very, very time consuming. That was also through a recruiter. So we tried to outsource some of the time to a recruiter, but even with that, there's still work on our end, a lot of work that we have to do. Right, right. That's good learning for me, but that, that took up a lot of my week last week and I would say, and the week before only to find out that it, you know, it didn't pan out. So yeah, super hard, but you know, it's part of it. And <laughs> that that's kind of what you have to do though, because to grow this business, now that we've received funding to grow the business, we have to grow the team and that's expected. That's an expectation. You, you can't continue on as a solo indie hacker or even like a two person team with that funding. The expectation is use the funding to grow the team, to grow the product, to do some marketing. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where we're at. So it's a necessary step but it is taking a lot of time and energy to do that. Sort of related with that, just with the idea of kind of finding people to work with and figuring all that out. I recently saw somebody sharing a very early version of an app that they were working on. And it was very, very early, but the idea of it really kind of intrigued me. And it just, it seemed like something that I would enjoy using and also something I would enjoy working on. And it also seemed like a really good fit as the type of app that, you know, a lot of like my community, like people with ADHD would really enjoy. So it was like, if I could get sort of connected with this app, that could be really beneficial because like, it's a sort of thing, you know, I could build in public and sort of talk about working on it. And there's sort of like a built-in connection with that type of app and the audience that I have. And so I just talked with this person occasionally, just like a few times over like DMs, nothing real serious. And I just sort of reached out of the blue. I was like, hey, I love like this app you're building. 
I'd uh, love to chat with you about possibly uh, partnering. Oh, and I asked like what the tech stack was that he was building it with. And it was all the sort of stuff that I'm familiar with, like Next.js and React and things like that. So I was like, cool, like I know the, you know, this tech stack and this could be like a good match. We actually met, uh, we, we you know hopped on a Zoom call and talked through it. And we both were actually kind of on the same page of like, he was looking for someone to partner with and I happened to sort of message him out of the blue. And it seems like it could be like a really good match of us kind of going in 50-50 working on this thing together. Hmm. And so the way we're doing that is like, well, hey, he's already built this thing. And so like, it's not at the point where it's just like, he's just gonna give half of it to me and now we're to 50-50 going forward. And so we're kind of navigating, similar to kind of the stuff you were talking about and with working with someone before, kind of navigating how would we work together? Is this a good match with this kind of workout? And so we've gone through a lot of like the features that he wants to have in the app and talked through like what, where is a good place to start? And so I've been sort of brainstorming and working on a feature that we both thought was important. And hopefully this all goes well. And like in a future episode, I get to talk more about what the app actually is and what we're kind of building. But if not, I think that's that's okay too. I think it's there's a bit of that like, I think it's so worth just sort of like stepping out because I was really nervous because I didn't want it to be like, hey, I think your app is cool and I want to jump in out of nowhere and like have half of it <laughs> um, mm -hmm. or whatever it is. You know, it's like this. he had obviously put in the time building where it was already, even though it wasn't public or anything yet, it was in a cool place. And so I was just like, you know what? What if he really wants somebody to partner with on this? Why not just reach out? Yeah. And so I did. And it turns out like what I was wanting to do, like come in and partner 50-50 was exactly what he was looking for. And so hopefully we find through this process that this is just a really uh, great match. And then, you know, we get this thing going. Uh, we have we have some ambitious uh, deadlines, assuming that this uh, first part works out. And if we decide like, yeah, let's work together, mm -hmm. there's some things we would like to launch by the new year, which would be uh, pretty quick. That's coming up really fast. But yeah. yeah, so I just kind of wanted to talk about the early process of it. And then hopefully I'll be talking more about this in uh, future episodes. Did you say that you met on Twitter? I don't want to talk too specific, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I found he did a newsletter that I had subscribed to like a year ago. And then yeah. we had both been in like one or two of those random online courses or something. Sure. I don't I don't think we even remember which one it was, but we had like seen each other a couple of times and DM'd each other a couple of times. Similar to you and I, like before we did the podcast and stuff. Yeah, it's, it's so many great things what you just said right then. I'm just, oh, my, my head's exploding. Like there's so many good <laughs> points in there. One being is that like you just ask the question because I think sometimes like if you don't ask, you don't get, right? And you just never know where someone else's head is. And mm -hmm. in your case, it sounded like, well, actually you're on the same page. Like it seemed like there could potentially be something there and that person was thinking about it as well. So that was great. And then the second thing you said was just the fact that it's on Twitter. For me, Twitter's been pretty life-changing. Like I've met so many cool people on Twitter, so many nice people. Uh, we're actually doing quite a few sort of collaborations. Just, you said you and I, exactly the same thing. We met on Twitter. We had a lot of back and forth with DMs. Mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. was just seemed like a very natural fit. And then one day, you were like, hey, you want to do a podcast? And it just kind of came about, right? <laughs> so I think that's the other thing is that if you engage with people on Twitter and you have conversations and you're authentic and genuine and just be yourself, you just never know what doors it could open. So I think showing up is half the battle. Mm -hmm. Asking the questions, showing up. And then I also love the fact that you said you're just experimenting because you don't know where it's going to go. And it is important to see that you have the right match. It's the same as the HR kind of theme we just talked about. 
kind of just finding like, is that the right person to work with? Because you just never know. Everybody's got different working styles and mm -hmm. some of it won't come out until you're actually doing the work with somebody. The fact that you're starting off small and just seeing like how it goes is, is, is so great because you want it to be a match on both sides, you know? So I think, yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah. So I'm really kind of excited to see where it goes from here and I hope it works out because I think it just sort of checks a lot of boxes. And so like if it was a thing that sort of worked out, it could be something I'd be really excited to see kind of like, oh, man, what is a year working on this mm -hmm, together mm -hmm. going to look like? That's really exciting because I can like immediately once we sort of initially talked and then I was just sort of like thinking about it more. It's like, man, I have like a million ideas of things I want to do. And I've kind of had like I haven't really talked about sort of like the dev side of what I've got going on much on this podcast, mostly because my side gig stuff hasn't been in that lately, even though that's my full-time job is doing like front-end design in React and stuff like that. And so I'm kind of excited to be able to mm. lean more into that and get to do some more side project stuff that's more kind of in that indie SaaS world, which is like a world that I've always been really interested in and never quite had like both feet into. And so I'm really, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing what that looks like. That might be a really good place for us to to break. Yeah, I think that that's a good one. What's happening in the coming week then? The big thing I have coming up in the next week is the book. So I'm going to be working on the book. And so that my intent by the time this episode comes out, I will have hit that deadline of when the uh, book is due. And so that my intention is to finish the manuscript on time and have submitted it by the time uh, this podcast episode comes out. And how about you? I think my intention for the week will be to uh, make progress again on the, the team and the HR side. We have a few conversations going at the moment and I'm hopeful that some of them pan out. And I think for me, I really want to get back to doing, you know, more coding because that's what I love doing. It really ticks something in my brain. Like it's very mm -hmm. satisfying for me to do that. And I haven't been doing as much of that lately. So I really miss the creative process on you know, thinking through a, an idea, a feature, and actually bringing it to life. And I think I need to do that for my own mental well-being because I just have not done that much in the past couple of weeks. And I know that's something I need to keep it interesting and to keep it going. So I think next week, yes, two things, HR, hopefully we, we can make some progress on that and try and start doing more coding. Now, I don't know exactly what that might be, but just get my hands stuck into it because it takes a while to get into coding as well. Like, as you know, right, you can't just, you open your code editor, you have mm -hmm. to refresh and remind yourself, oh, what did I do? Like, you know, how did I set this up? Like, what's the the architecture here? And where's the data going? And just remember that stuff. So it's not something where you go, oh, I have like 15 minutes or 20 minutes here. Let me just go into my code editor and like start like picking up where I left off. It takes well, at least for me, it takes me a little bit to go, okay, what did I do? Oh yeah, that's what I did. Then get stuck into it. And you can't really do that when you have little breaks here and there. It's, yeah. It has to be a, a dedicated amount of time for me to go, okay, today I'm just doing coding or at least like second half of the day, just <laughs> doing coding. It's got to be a chunk of time for me to get into it. Do you, do you have that as well? Yeah, absolutely. Like I feel, I feel like when I am coding, I need like there's like the prep time of like, okay, I have to like 
rebuild the mm-hmm. data structure in my in my brain yeah. of like what I'm going to be doing because when I just start yeah I open VS Code and I look at my old code and I'm like I don't know how any of this works anymore I have to like rebuild the mental model to understand what I'm actually trying to do here <laughs> yeah cool all right so that's it sounds like um yeah good week for both of us yeah have a good one and I will chat with you next week yeah sounds good see ya